You're listening to the Flame Central Podcast, your home for Liberty University Athletics. Malik Willis is turning heads again, this time on and off the field at the Combine. ESPN NFL draft expert Jordan Reed joins the show to break down all things Malik, plus a heartbreaker for Liberty men's basketball. But this is why we have complete faith in this program moving forward. And nothing but winning, winning, winning for Lady Flames hoops, baseball, and softball. It's a busy show, so let's go. from our studio at Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's your host, Emily Austin, with Matt Warner and Rhett McGibbon. All right, guys, we have a jam-packed show with all of these sports going on across Liberty's campus. Uh, We'll talk some basketball, men's and women's get to the diamond. But first Malik Willis stealing the show once again at the NFL combine up in Indianapolis this past weekend. I'm sure you saw a lot of the coverage on Liberty social media throughout the weekend. He just continues to wow everyone on and off the field. He was the the story of the senior bowl. And then he turned into kind of the story of the combine as well. And you're right. It's the off the field stuff. And that's so cool because we see that. Yeah. We saw that. So mm-hmm. many people around Liberty saw the type of person he is, and now other people are getting to see it. And on the field, kind of the same way. Like, right, you know, we would see game and game out right. these big throws, and like, oh man, this guy has yeah. a strong arm. But then when you see him on Cork One and you hear all these NFL analysts that have been at a million combines and seen everything, when they're like, whoa, yeah, when he lets one rip, that's when you know, like, okay, maybe what, what we kind of saw and thought about this kid having a chance to be really special. Maybe that's legit because like oh. they're reacting the same way right. we did when we'd see him rip one against, you know, Virginia Tech yeah. or whoever. When you have the desk and Rich Eisen is just going, ooh, <laughs> yeah. uh, more yeah. than he's actually speaking, yeah. you know, that he's in good shape. And I, I agree. I think it was like people watched the Senior Bowl, but I think the NFL Combine, just the weight it brings with the name, there's so many eyes on it. Yeah. And I, again, it's neat to see how social media explodes when all of a sudden Malik does something well on the field and also off the field. Uh, and yeah, going to talking about him giving some of his swag to a, a homeless individual, like the, just the amount of positive vibes that got was just incredible to see. And again, we know that he's that kind of person as neat now that the nation is getting to see that as well. Yeah. Just really putting Liberty on the map of like the type of person that we have, the character of the student athletes that we have here at Liberty. It's really cool. For the world to see, you know, second straight week with a viral video, three over it, three million yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, not to bring it back to Liberty, but it is cool to see that the type of character that this school produces and, um, you know, has in their athletic department. You know, I just think back of that old Dominion. What was it? He was like <laughs> linebacker or whatever, oh, yeah, like yeah. He, he watching the combine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he does, don't throw he that good. He yeah, don't throw that good. And, yeah. and he's just watching the combine. Malik is just dropping dimes yeah. all over the field. But um, really excited to, to see, you know, what he does here at his pro day, which is towards the end of the month. And that's going to be a huge event. Oh, yeah. I mean, Anybody yeah, and NFL everybody and yeah, NFL networks here, ASPN, anybody and everybody in the draft circles, coaches, GMs, like it is going to be a circus here in Lynchburg. And here's what I can't wait for is yes, we all want to see what Malik does, but there's kind of two other things that I think this does. It gets all of these people to Liberty's campus who who haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. And so you're gonna have a lot of national yeah. writers. 
Like, uh, wow, look at these draft facilities. People, right. You're going to just wait because I'm predicting right now. You just wait till you start seeing those tweets come out. Mm-hmm. Whoa, Liberty's facilities are as good as some power five. Like yeah. all these people that didn't know, you're going to start hearing about that. So obviously that's good. But here's the other kind of hidden benefit with this. It's all, all these people coming from Malik. Listen, he's not the only one who's going out there oh, for a totally. play. So there may be a guy who ends up, a team falls in love with him. Hey, maybe it's a late round pick, or maybe it's just you invite him to camp that turns out to take advantage. And you may have a five or six year career out of this thing. Why? Because right. Malik Willis's pro day brings all these eyes there. And you hear yeah. those stories all the time about, oh, we went to look at this guy. We found this guy that Absolutely. we weren't really aware of. And so it's a great opportunity for so many of Malik's teammates that are going to be competing in this pro day as well to show off and, and you know, Maybe in the eyes of some team that they'll fall in love with them, they may turn in, end up having a career out of this because of it. We'll let le- we'll let you listen. Gosh, man, it's a Monday morning. Yeah, for we're getting there. Um, we'll let you listen to a conversation we just had with ESPN NFL draft analyst Jordan Reed in one minute. But guys, what's fun for me to see is Malik really coming alive and into himself in these media sessions and really having this confidence that not that we didn't see with him in these media press conferences. And it was weird, right? Because he was here during COVID. So everything was like virtual, yeah. but it is really neat to see like how confident he is on the brightest and biggest stage when it comes to the NFL draft. Yeah. There's a new charm to him and mm-hmm. it's been really fun to see. And I think that's, that might be even the most talked about is just how well he's done in those, you know, the podium sessions where people are getting a question, fire answer, the quick one liners he has. And also they talk about his football knowledge too, that he is surprising GMs and NFL personnel with his ability to retain offensive schemes and then come back and respond to it. So yeah, it's it really, if you're going to grade him, it's a pluses across the board for right. Malik at this point. And it's interesting. We talked about this too. I know just in the office the past week, but not that we're surprised he's doing this, in terms of the media and all of that. But, like, remember, the whole time he was here at Liberty, he was basically doing Zoom calls, Yeah, right? Yeah, he, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, his press conferences. Like, I don't know about you. I hate that. Like, <laughs> right. like I would much rather sit down with a person and I feel like I interact with, connect mm-hmm. with so much better. So, for him, it's probably, a, you know, a, a yeah, breath, breath of, of fresh, fresh air, air to right. be able to see, like, real people interact with real people, get those reactions and, and all. Like, so, yeah, he is, he, he's, you know, he's just come alive in these in these interviews and, so excited for him because he is as humble a kid as you're going to meet. And and that's hard to do when you're as skilled as he is. All right. Let's hear from one of those experts on Malik Willis in this draft process. All right. We now welcome in ESPN NFL draft analyst Jordan Reed. Jordan, we caught up at the Senior Bowl. You were covering Malik Willis and all the college guys at the Combine this past week. So thank you so much for joining us. No problem. It's always a pleasure being here, and especially when I can talk about quarterbacks. Yeah. So Malik Willis, what is your what has changed, if anything, on your um, you know breakdown on him since the Senior Bowl? What you saw at the combine? Um, nothing's changed. You kind of just use the combine to really approve or disprove of some of the things that you saw on tape. And this was my second exposure to Malik in person after seeing him in person, and I think people really got an idea of just the type of person that he is. I thought his podium session went really well. He was really engaging with the media and you just saw he was able to light up a room. He made everybody laugh with plenty of comments that he was able to say. But the one thing that did stick out to me that I love that he said was that I'm not here for anybody's approval and I just have so much confidence in myself. And that's exactly what you want to see, especially from a person that plays such an important position like Malik does. So I thought he passed the test as far as off the field and then on the field, he threw the ball really well. 
Yeah, Jordan, he was like a media darling, right? You had his press conferences. You had the the video of him helping out, you know, the homeless person there in town. But I guess I wonder, that stuff all plays up really well in the media, and you hear about that a lot. Oh, the character, look at the personality. When it comes down to actually a team selecting him, how much does that stuff matter in the eyes of GMs? Oh, it matters a ton, just because this is the person that is going to be spearheading your organization for the next 10 to 12 years or even more. So you want to make sure you have the correct person in place. Of course, the on-the-field dynamic is the most important, but off the field, this is the person that is representing your organization. This person is a walking billboard, and the biggest sticker on that billboard is your logo of that organization. So Malik helping out the homeless person is great, and passing the test with the interviews is great, too, from everything that I heard. His formal interviews went great, too. He was really impressive on the whiteboard when he got up to be in front of teams, too. So he just continues to check boxes. And like I told you guys a few weeks ago down in Mobile, I I would be surprised if he's not the first quarterback off the board. Give us a look behind the curtain on social media at the Combine when, you know, they're showing on Twitter these throws. He's going downfield like Twitter is a buzz and social media is a buzz. But there at the Combine, is it similar for NFL personnel? Is there a buzz about him that's growing? Yeah, well, I mean, you saw it down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, and that's why I was so glad that he actually came and competed in the Senior Bowl just because what's so different about this year's event was that we saw five of the top six projected quarterbacks outside of Matt Corral actually go down and compete in the Senior Bowl. And I thought Malik was the best of the bunch, but it's a little bit different when you see these quarterbacks throw in person, and it's kind of hard to explain, but it's just different looking at them on TV or on film as opposed to seeing the ball come out of their hands in person. So I've been really impressed with him throughout the pre-draft process this and I'm really looking forward to seeing where he does end up going on draft day does he have the biggest arm in this draft and and if so who's maybe a current NFL quarterback you would compare his arm strength to that's a really good question um I kind of would compare to Russell Wilson a little bit. Now, he doesn't really have the touch right now that Russell does have, but as far as being able to fit the ball in tight windows, I think it's very reminiscent of Russell when he was coming out of Wisconsin. So that would be one person that I would compare him to. Okay, so realistically, you know, there's some mock drafts that have him going to to Detroit. I mean, there's been a couple uh, mock drafts that I've seen with him going to the Lions. Where do you think not only – does he have the best chance to go, but where would he be the best fit? And that might be two different teams, right? Yeah. So the lions actually coached him at the senior bowl. Mm-hmm. So that would not be surprising at all, honestly. And they have a need at quarterback after Jared Goff. I don't think Goff is going to be the long-term solution there. They're probably going to be looking for a person with a little bit more upside and probably a younger option too. So it wouldn't surprise me if Detroit takes him at two, especially if they liked what they saw down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. But I think his clock realistically starts at five with the Giants. I don't think Daniel Jones is probably going to be the long-term answer there. They're probably going to give him a trial year this year, so he could go at five. Six to Carolina, I think that gets really interesting. I think that's a landing spot for him. But the spot that I love the most for him is Atlanta at eight, just because Matt Ryan is, of course, a bit older. They're looking for maybe a longer-term option there after him. And with Malik, I don't think he's going to be ready right away. So he needs to sit behind an entrenched starter, somebody he can learn from the nuances and the details of the game. He can sit behind Matt Ryan for a year or two. And then we know that the Falcons have weapons already on the perimeter and Cal Pitts and then Calvin Ridley, too. So I really like his fit in Atlanta. Yeah, that's interesting. Bring the hometown kid you know, yep. back to Atlanta. I, that was going to be my next question. You feel like he does need to maybe sit for a while. The question for me, though, is, If you sit behind, say, a guy like Matt Ryan, certainly there are things you can learn, but the offense with Malik would look a lot different than it does 
with someone like Matt Ryan. I've heard you know people throw around the idea of what if Carolina brought him in, they, they give Cam another year, maybe it's a little bit more of a similar offense with two guys that are more mobile. How, how do you see that? How much value is there in sitting behind a guy who plays a very different style of quarterback than you do? Yeah, well, that's why NFL coaches get paid the big bucks, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To manipulate these offenses. But with Matt Ryan, of course, you have to think of your future. And there's always going to be like a little bit of a package that you may have for Malik sure. in case you want to get him some some exposure here and there. But there's always going to be that little corner on the play sheet in case Malik has to go in if Matt Ryan gets hurt or something catastrophic happens or something like that. So you have to figure out your long-term solution. You have to cater to that. And, of course, you want to win games now. And Matt's been there so long, he can adjust to anything that they do. I mean, we're talking about a guy that has almost 20 years of experience in the NFL. So any type of shift in the playbook or the scheme or anything like that, I don't think he would have any types of problems with it. But there's certain things that you can unlock in the playbook as far as from a run game standpoint, if you want to use Malik in that aspect, but also some throwing areas too of where you can add just because he adds such a versatile and different dynamic to your play sheet. All right, ESPN NFL draft analyst Jordan Reed we're talking to. Jordan, I know you've watched a lot of film on Malik. You saw him at the Senior Bowl, saw him at Combine. What moment was like jaw-dropping, the, the most impressive moment from him on the field in this process so far? So it actually wasn't this year. It came last year. And I think it was the game against Virginia Tech of where he kind of like yeah. spun out of a tackle yeah. and he threw the ball down the right side. Right. Line, I believe I think that was. was. I'm not even sure. Yeah. Shaw, I think, Our yeah. Shaw. yeah, I'm not even sure if it was a completed pass. It was. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It was. Okay. I just remember seeing it on tape, just watching him last year. And like my jaw was on the floor after I saw <laughs> that. So that throw will always stick in my mind about Malik. With Pro Day coming up here at Liberty, what more does Malik need to prove? Is there anything at all? Um, I don't think there's more that he needs to prove. I just think he needs to go out and have a solid Pro Day. And I don't really look too much into Pro Days, honestly, just because it's such a scripted workout. It's just a matter of him just showing that he can be accurate, of course, hitting all his targets. And I'm sure his quarterback trainer, Quincy Avery, will have a really nice layout for him to go out and be in this, be as efficient as he can. He's going to probably meet with some teams up in Lynchburg, too. So just continue to pass the test with those teams if they put them on the whiteboard, understanding uh, or being able to explain, like, why he made a certain throw or why did he throw interception here, just being able to talk them through that, which I'm sure he had to do in Indianapolis at the Combine, too. So it's just a matter of him just going out and having a really good day at the Pro Day. Last thing for me, Jordan, we've seen you know those throws at the Combine, people raving about his arm. It's almost like his run game is kind of – people have put that on – forgotten yeah, about it almost. Yeah. Like, 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 but is that, still, is that still what makes him the you know most dangerous quarterback in this draft? Because that, that seems to be kind of uh, – people are forgetting that now that they see the big arm and the throws downfield. Yeah, and I think just having that versatile skill set, especially with young quarterbacks, and if you think about some of these young quarterbacks that have come into the league and had the most success, they've had to use their legs, yeah. whether it's Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow or let's go Colin Murray is another great example of that. I think they kind of can use their mobility as a crutch as they continue to learn the mental aspect of the game. So that's why you're starting to see the game really gravitate towards these more versatile style of quarterbacks that can really get themselves out of harm's way just because the speed of the game is so much different than the college game and that you have to be able to use your legs to get yourself out of trouble. And we all know that Malik is very capable of doing that. Awesome. Jordan, thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us about Malik Willis. Excited to See what he does. March 22nd is the pro day here at Liberty. 
And then the big day, April 28th, right? The draft. So excited to see where he ends up. Thank you so much for all of your great insight. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, guys, as always. All right, so Jordan Reed will be here in Lynchburg. Great guy. Uh, so awesome. I mean, and he is. Right, you came back, you and you yeah. talked to him. You When you met him at the Senior Bowl a couple of years ago, you came back raving about, like, oh. what a nice guy. This yeah. guy is great. And totally. I know you, know you were super stoked when he ended up, you know, getting signed yeah. on with ESPN. And he, he digs in. And what I mean by that is when I was down there, like, some of these at that time, this is, what, three years ago now, bigger name experts, like, had not done homework on AGG. But Jordan, like, knew AGG. Like, yeah. you could tell he watched film. He had a good take on him was more than willing to give us tons of his time just to talk about him. So, yeah, super dude. Great great to see him with ESPN now. Yeah, it's it's going to be exciting to see, you know, get him here to Lynchburg along with all these other experts and, and all the media circus for Malik's Pro Day, again, March 22nd. So if you see, like, a little bit of a brighter buzz around Lynchburg, that's why. Malik Willis <laughs> yeah. is the star of the show. Okay, I've been trying to put it off as long as possible <laughs> in this podcast. Uh, yeah. um, I know we're supposed to be... Uh, you know, not take sides as far as broadcasters, but I guess I can be a homer right. here I, on the Flint I think Flint that's during a podcast. broadcast, a little yeah. bit different right? setting. Like I, I am seriously depressed. I thought after the after the men's basketball loss, uh, Emily comes walking across the court. I thought she was going to cry. Yeah. I she had a look like, on her face. I just can't yeah. process it. It's like real. Like I know I'm. I sound so dramatic, but again, this goes back to like McKay talking all the time about like the expectations how difficult it is to win your conference how difficult it is to get to that ncaa tournament year in and year out and i think that i was one of those people that just expected them to win it you know like that's just what we do yeah (laughs) that's what this program does and they figure it out but matt my question to you is did you see this coming a little yeah Yeah. i mean i mean well first to, to your point, I feel like you learn a lot about the expectations based on the reaction. And the reaction is, is yeah, there's some frustration, but overwhelmingly I think it's more just disappointment that those guys aren't going to get to experience what the last three teams have. Right. And disappointment for Darius McGee not to be able to finish his career going four for four, going to the tourney. And, you know, we, we talked to, I remember Keegan McDowell talking a few weeks ago even, about how we feel the pressure. Like we know what all those guys did before us. We feel the pressure to keep that going, and and that is the standard. They built that through the years. The standard now is winning the conference, getting to the tournament. They weren't able to do it. But in terms of did you see it coming? Yeah, I think I think you would say if if you had asked me before the game if Liberty loses, what will it look like? And and I would have said, well, it would look like you don't shoot it particularly well from three, and Darius McGee doesn't have somebody else really rise to the occasion and help him. And outside of, of of Brody Peoples, who we can talk about here in a bit, who had 10 points in the first half, they didn't have anybody else help Darius out. And he wasn't otherworldly. He was solid, 21 points. And Bellerman, to their credit, did a great job against Darius the first time. They I held mean, him to 13 in the first meeting. They held him to only 21 here, so they I had mean, to be five in the first half, right, too. Right. Five points in the first yeah. half. So but that was just... Again, it just comes down to you ask so much of him. He took, I believe it was nine of the last 10 shots mm-hmm. in this game for Liberty were from Darius. You're just asking a lot out of him. And without you know some other guys having uh, you know good games to kind of help him out, that that's just kind of how I see that one going in. We did. I think we kind of brushed it off different things. We we kind of talk ourselves out of. But the last two or three weeks, Liberty was not playing great basketball. Uh, now a lot of that was on the defensive end. 
So that was maybe the surprising part here is you get two performances where you hold Lipscomb in the 40s. You only give up 43 to Bellerman. Like I would say, I don't know how, you know, the analytics or whatever, if you would say going in, you hold Bellerman to 53 points, what percent chance does Liberty have to win? Right. It's probably like 90%. 90, yeah. You know, who who would think Liberty would, would score 50? Uh, I but, I mean, they they just couldn't. You got to score to win, and, and they really struggled, especially from three down the stretch of the season. So the the talk of the first half was Brody Peebles. You know, we've been talking about how uh, difficult it is for Richie McKay to distribute minutes. Sure, I, I feel a lot like, of talent, right? Because you have guys. so much talent, and um, Isaiah Warfield getting a lot of those minutes because of his just defensive effort and night in and night out. But for Brody Peebles to come out and throw up ten points in the first half, I mean, he just looked on fire. So that w- that had to be like a bright, um, I guess one of the bright positives that you can take from this game is like what the future looks like for this program. Well, yes. Yeah, I mean, I think this off season and, and going into next season, it is the most interesting slash intriguing we've had in four or five years Yeah. because you're having to, re- you're going to have to replace, you know, 35 points between Keegan and, and Darius. Yeah. Uh, and, and you're going to have to have young guys step up in a big way. And Brody's going to be one of those young guys. I mean, credit him for being, Listen, his minutes had been reduced lately. Uh, that was the most minutes he played in the game since uh, the end of January. Most points he'd scored since the A-Sun opener against Stetson. He did not appear to check out. It would be easy, I think, as a freshman, when you feel like things aren't going the way you envisioned them, to just be like, whatever, check out. I can't tell you how many times I'd show up early for a game, and he's the first guy out on the court working by yeah. himself. Like, he was locked in and ready for that moment. And when he got the chance, when Kyle Road went out with a, a little knee injury or whatever for a little mm-hmm. bit, he got a little more opportunity than he probably, you know, expected to. He was ready for it. He got in those 10 points. Uh, so credit him for that. But, yeah, this, this is going to be a really interesting team going forward. I think the the offense will look a lot different. It'll have to. Yeah. yeah and, sure. and, and I think you're going to have to get back more to the style that, that they made their name for, you know, in the beginning, which is great defense team basketball and balanced scoring and because there's not a guy on this roster I think next year that you can expect I mean even 15 points a game I don't know if anybody will get that like you may have your your leading score be 11 points yeah. a game you know what I mean my but, question too is is Shiloh Robinson I'm not calling out guys because everybody on this team is talented I, I just think that what the shift that we saw him through conference play especially offensively I don't know if it was a confidence thing his line on uh, Saturday night, 0 for 4, 0 for 2 from 3, um, had eight rebounds. But I, I just think that there's something. What do you think Shiloh needs to work yeah. on this offseason? Well, I I think it is just. Or what was what was missing? What, what, what I think staying aggressive. Yeah. Staying aggressive. Because I think he's a kid that doesn't want to hurt the team. He's mm-hmm. a team guy. And he wants to do what's best for the team. And sometimes if he doesn't feel like he's shooting it well, I think – he said, okay, then I, I don't want to hurt the team. But in reality, I, he helps the team most when he's aggressive. Mm-hmm. And we saw that throughout the year. Rhett, you coined yeah. the phrase, Shiloh is the key. You said <laughs> it all year long, right? Yeah. And he was. And, and and so, yeah, they need him to stay aggressive, not worry about a couple of misses, but stay aggressive because that's what helps the team most is when he is that way. Now, he had the eight rebounds. He also played pretty darn good defense. And those last two shots that Dylan Penn made that basically you know were the difference mm-hmm. essentially in this game – were very, very difficult shots that were very well defended by Shiloh Robinson, and Penn just made the better play. 
And so Shiloh and Richie McKay said this as well. He's at his best when he is an elite defender first yeah. and then lets the offense come. But they are, they did need and they are going to need him to be aggressive on the offensive end. And McKay has said many times about him being an elite defender, which him coming from a Virginia program, McKay coming from Virginia right. and seeing some of those defenders. I mean, that's some pretty high praise. Yeah, so I have a lot of, um, you know, faith in, in Shiloh. You know, you have Kyle Rode coming back. He's like the biggest leader on this team yeah. and, and basically – number two coach behind McKay. So I, you know, it, I'm, I'm very confident McKay in this group can figure it out and, and get back to defending an a son. Well, I guess not defending, right. You know what I mean? Trying to close out their yeah. a son time. Well, I think, you know, obviously we've all thought about this game in a, you know, a million different ways it could have gone and what might've been different this season. You start going through all those different scenarios. I just think we went into the year saying, what, what are we, what's happening at point guard? Like, who's handling mm -hmm. the point? Right. And you just wonder if that situation had been a little bit different, how might this team and offense been a little bit different? So much was put on the yeah. shoulders of Darius McGee. And, you know, this offense did look a lot different than what we've seen in years past. Had you had someone like we had with Chris Parker a year ago, mm -hmm. well, what, what, how might things have looked different? How might the Dar Darius may not have felt and had to handle so much and so much on his shoulders. Well, McKay pointed that out in the last press conference. I don't know if it was leading up to the Lipscomb game or this Bellerman, but, oh my gosh, why is his name? Drake Dobbs. Drake Dobbs. I mean, he McKay said, we had our point guard transfer, and that's his decision, whatever. Right. Dobbs transfer in the middle of the year. Like yeah, our point guard, like we had to... That that was, that was kind of threw a wrench in things, you know, with what he was doing offensively. So... You have to take that into consideration. You also have to remember, we need to go back to the podcast at the beginning of the season because there were a lot of question marks about this group being so young. Remember, McKay didn't go to the transfer portal yeah. this year. And he's like, he realized and said early on in the season, like, I think it was like midway through the non-conference schedule. Wow, I, I didn't realize how old everyone would be with like the COVIDs. Um, like COVID seniors coming back, yeah. they were one of the youngest groups. Well, and you saw that with Bellerman. Yeah. They had a sixth-year guy in Claycomb. Mm -hmm. They had a yeah. fifth-year guy in Fleming. You And then there's an, a normal senior, if you will, with Dylan Penn. <laughs> but, like, yeah, you see those old guys yep. that had been – I mean, they're as old as some of the guys on Liberty's staff. You know what I mean? And honestly, that yes, they're only in their second year at D1, but what level they played at at yeah. D2, they were in some very, very – big game situations as far as final fours and stuff like that. That group was a veteran group. So yes, it is an upset when you look at Bellerman's record, but, um, Oh, can, I'm I, bring, just still... can I bring a positive spin though? Yeah, like, please. I'm just this like, this is so something I would, over here. something I would not be surprised seeing next year. So let's go ladies side for a second, go to the end of last year. Yeah. You lose and you have Ashton Baker and Emily Lytle transfer out, right? right. You're thinking, oh, my goodness. Top two, you'd say talented players yeah. on the team. And yeah. also your top two Productive. scores, yeah. right? Like your production is leaving. So that's a big blow, and you're wondering, man, we've got a lot of youth coming in. We're going to be – it's going to be trouble. And even myself coming into this season, I'm thinking it's going to be a retool year. It's different scenario in the sense, but, you know, you have right. Darius and also Keegan graduating moving on. You have youth come in. And all of a sudden, this season for the ladies, you have so many people that are taking it upon themselves. Like, I have to be aggressive. I think that's a key yeah. word for this team next year. I'm going to have to be able to produce in order for this team to do well. And all of a sudden, it all comes together. You gel. And with team defense, which they have, I think this team could be even better next season. Yeah. That's not taking anything away from Darius. But yeah. there are situations where 
you wonder if this team gets into the mindset, Darius needs to do it. Darius has to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think last year for the ladies, it was the mindset Ashton or Emily has to do it. And then you come into this year and you have a Priscilla Smingy who produces like 18 points last game and they just do it through a community scoring. And I could really see that. And going again to the young guys, you know, you got Brody, who I think will take an, a step forward. Venzant will have to take For a sure. step forward offensively. And then you're forgetting about Spell as well, yeah. who yeah. looks like he can be a scorer. So the bright spot is I think the team will unify and come together and you'll have more scoring options than just having to rely on Darius. And they'll get it done through a team, more balanced approach as opposed to really relying on a stud to get it all done mm -hmm. for you. Yeah, that balanced attack, which we saw sometimes throughout this year. Yeah. So who runs the point if 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 we don't go to the uh, the portal? Who runs the port or runs the point on this roster right now? <sighs> on is this it, roster right yeah, now, yeah. Like if you don't I bring mean, someone in, is it DJ Brody? Moore? DJ Moore, Moore, like like, and, and they have you know some, a recruit that that may get that opportunity, but like yeah, DJ Moore, um, or you. Or you ask Brody to be like, hey, yeah. we need you to really handle the ball a lot more yeah. than you've ever done, really. You know, yeah. so it'll be yeah, interesting. That will be interesting. The roster kind of construction. Do they, you know, hope you don't know to uh, in this day and age, people leave all the time. Rich, Richie McKay hasn't really had that problem typically. Yeah. Um, so, but that'll be something to watch. Yeah. You know, does someone leave that we don't expect? If so, then that opens up a, a scholarship and then you're making moves there. Again, that's why it's the most intriguing offseason to me with, yeah. with this team. Um, but, just say this. I think we all have all the faith in the world. Oh, the yeah. sky is not falling. No, I we know. have all not the all. faith in the world that Richie McKay and his staff will be just fine. This program will be just fine. Uh, not to be what? a Debbie Downer, but this is the thing that frustrates me so bad. And it's not Bellerman's fault. It's the NCAA's fault. Like, I just can't stand getting beat by a team that wouldn't even be able to go to the NCAA tournament. Like, if they went out... Yeah. Like, I just, yeah. I, I think that was it's just a, a little bit more salt in the wound that I'm like, that's so stupid. Can I like, join in on that, too? I think it's dumb how if Bellerman wins, it's not even Jacksonville yeah. that gets to go. It's I'm Jacksonville State. Like, at least give it Are to the runner yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you in this sense because. Oh, I thought it'd be Jacksonville. No, no. So I'm with you oh. on this sense. If the tournament, you're ace on, you're a one-bid league. So right. it comes down to the tournament, yeah. right? The, the In reality, all the regular season is good for it is seeding for the tournament. So for my take, it's like if the tournament is all that really matters and Jacksonville just beat Jacksonville State head-to-head -head on Jacksonville State's floor right. to get to the championship, I have a hard time not saying, guess what, Dolphins, you're going. Yeah. Like, enjoy it. Like, well, like, like, I have a hard time with that. I know as a, as a league in general, you want to get your best team in the tournament to be the best representative. But also, it's not like... Jacksonville's some nine seed that, that, no. that just got hot. Like, they're a really good – they were a two seed. And, yeah. you know, like, they're a really good program as well, playing its best basketball mm -hmm. of the year. Like, and they just beat Jacksonville State on their floor. Yeah, right. I, have a, I have a major problem with that. So, yeah, that no, that's tough. But, I'm gonna yeah. Have to, I'll be right back. I'm going to go call the NCAA. <laughs> no, no but, it, but I don't even know if that's a bigger issue or if the bigger issue is why is there this four-year period oh, that's a like joke. penalty? Total like, it's joke. just so – if you are good enough to make that transition – Then go. – a level up, then why can't – and you win your conference, why in the world are you not able to play? Well, in, it's just – It's a total yeah. joke. I think it's a joke that's in a lot of ways other. because some of these – a lot of these programs come up with a senior-laden team that's yeah. like – they have a great yeah. run right off the bat, and they're basically punishing these athletes for the fact that – It's really well, not and fair. I, yeah. And I saw somebody saying it. They're like, it would make more sense if you did that going down. 
That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to have a, a, a time where you, you you're dropping down to D two, you have a couple of years where you can't. Okay, that makes I more sense. That. But yeah, if you're good enough on the court, yeah. who cares about like administratively what you're doing to try to make yourself D one? Like, right. If you're good enough to get it done, you should be playing. Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So I think that that just kind of made me a little bit more sour about understand. the Saturday night loss. Hey, okay. Great atmosphere though. Oh that my game, gosh, that was that the was best rocking. Liberty Arena has been ever. That, I mean, people. When people started standing up, I'm like, wait a second, are people standing up for a basketball game? Like, this is this is amazing. Like the entire arena. No, really, really happy that Flames Nation came out to support. Um, just super, super bummed that the season is over. <laughs> Can so. I tell you one funny story? Yeah. So that game was going on during the softball game. And there's a monitor like back over to my right in the press booth. So I'm like looking back, like trying to watch during the late stages. I know I missed like multiple hits. <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying. Coach is kind of like uh, Paul Wetmore is trying to look at me like, what are you, what are you doing? And I'm like, just yeah. trying to peek. Well, over that's what I was afraid I was going to be doing during the North Liberty, North Carolina baseball game Tuesday night. Right. Because yeah. That would have crossed over with the oh. championship. I'm like, how in the world am I going to pay attention to a baseball game yeah. when Liberty? Well, it would have been here. Right, and now that's because even that's, more salt. You talk yeah. about salt in the wound. Oh my gosh! Even more so when then you saw Jacksonville win uh, that game. You're like, yeah. oh, Liberty, we would have been hosting. All right, we got to turn the yeah, page. Please, I'm gonna like yeah, really get on. frustrated. Um, the Lady Flames pulled it off, 77-57. This one yeah, wasn't I'm very a, close at all. So just really excited. They're now advancing the semifinals, which will be against Jacksonville State. Is that at home? On no, the road. On the road. Uh, I know you're the two seed overall is, in the A Sun, but you're traveling. I have a lot of State. emails. I got yeah. to email the NCAA. I got to email yeah. the ASA. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, the ladies though played. I think their best game of the season. Priscilla Smingy was four or five from beyond the arc. Uh, D Brown had a tidy sixteen points. Defensively, they held Eastern Kentucky to four points in the second quarter. It was and like they, twelve points at a half. Right, is all Eastern Kentucky had. Wasn't that it? Yes. Like yes. I, I flipped no, that, it on. No, and I'm, fourteen. I was, I'm 14. Was, I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Or maybe it was yeah, sixteen oh run. But yeah, it was in just the second. They yeah. dominated them. And two, they were up by thirty plus. So it was only a twenty point game because they brought in a lot of the youth for experience at the end for like the final six minutes. So this was pure domination. Best I've seen the Lady Flames play this year. And truly, they have not played against FGCU yet. At that caliber, if Liberty can play that style of basketball and get mm -hmm. similar performances. And again, my Berkman and Bridget Redstat were not like silent, but they did not have their typical double digit game. Liberty's a, a team truly that if they can put it all together against FGCU, I believe that they are the best team in the conference. And that's so dangerous when you're the other team scouting them because mm -hmm. it's like you don't know who's going right. to go off. Right? Now, now, don't. Now, I know you were looking ahead, but like Jacksonville State. That's a game we only won by five points. No, that's true. Yeah. So, like, I know we're all looking yeah. forward to that no, game. They are yeah. they're a really good team. They got a tremendous center. Uh, I believe her, her last name's Gibbs. Really defensively sound. Uh, does a great job. So Berkman's going to have her her hands full, and they're a veteran team as well. So you, no, this is not a, a go down to Jacksonville State and just walk through there and be mm -hmm. fine. You're going to have to come in focused and dialed in to be able to make it to the championship, and more than likely, you know, Stetson too is playing. FGCU, and that was the team that beat FGCU on their home court. That's true. Yeah. Now that was without Kirsten Bell, but still, this is a a really a lot of transfers on the Stetson team that don't really know the hype around FGCU. They're kind of like, okay, we're just going to go play another team, and we'll see what they can do. Wouldn't be surprised if Stetson walked out of there. Yeah. So Brown uh, had 16 points, six assists. Both of those totals flat or fell just shy, one shy of her career high. So she's yeah. playing really well. Smingy, if you didn't see our feature. 
that our Helmut Montoya did on Priscilla Smiggy. Go ahead and check that out on Liberty Women's Basketball mm-hmm. Twitter. Really, really great story from her. Matt, Well, you? I was just going to uh, – no, please make the turn. Were you about no, to make the turn I was going to make else? the turn to the go diamond. Ahead. No, please but do. Is that yeah, okay? No, I'm going to let I mean, you. Go ahead. Matt, All right, ready? Matt and gives me these looks and like these like – I'm jumping the gun here. Three, wait, three, two, one. <laughs> All right. Well, Shift Gear is looking forward to seeing what the Lady Flames do on oh, the yeah. court. What now a, a moving <laughs> over to the diamond. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. Mr. Wonderful. Derek Derek Orndorff. I mean, I just sat down with him for a pre-interview. That, uh, you know, you guys will see a feature on him in the weeks to come. I mean, are you kidding me? And yeah. in, in my interview with him, I go, okay, I just want to, you know, set the record straight. Should we expect a home run at every at-bat? And yeah. he's like, ha, 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 no, that's not realistic. Kinda. He was kidding. Yeah. He was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, are you well. serious? He is just on fire. I mean, have you seen a performance like this from, no. from a Liberty baseball no. player? And the crazy ever? thing is, Liberty... That field is known as kind of a pitcher's park. Yeah. yeah. Like typically, it's not where a place you go where you're like, oh, okay. Like, there are some stadiums. Like, I've always heard Wake Forest is like a tiny little park. Like, you look at their power numbers, it's like, whoa. And people are like, yeah, don't buy into right, that. Yeah. They play in a little bandbox. Like, that's not that's not Liberty. No. Right? So, he's doing that here, which is more impressive. Two more home runs on Sunday. Ten to lead the nation. Uh, incredibly impressive start. I saw some uh, draft MLB draft analysts saying, you know, right now it looks like he may be the first senior because, you know, a lot of times guys drafted right. as juniors, senior taken in the MLB draft based off what he's seen. Wow. Now, obviously, it's very, very early. You know, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of way to go. But what more can you do? This guy has been dominant in the middle of that lineup. And the Flames have been as well. You know, they swept Canisius, which I was just going to say, as we were speaking, uh, D1 Baseball just put out their newest ranking for this week. Liberty comes in at 14. Wow, wow, moving from 20. North Carolina at 15. <gasps> so that's the matchup oh. tomorrow night. 14 against 15. Big time ball game here in Lynchburg. Great. My first sideline game Are you doing that with game? baseball. You yes, are? because I'm not going to men's basketball, you know, ASUN championship. So I'll be on that game. It's my, oh, nice. great. No pressure. No pressure. Yeah, right? Just like the biggest matchup of the Ever. week. Ever. Yeah. Ever. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, so yeah, Orndorff hit two bombs. And uh, right fielder Aaron Anderson. You know that, you know that Derek was really going for the right fielder position. So right. it's like so inter- his story is so yeah. interesting on because I was like why would you want to like come here when you you're going to be competing for you know the center fielder position behind Jalen Guy. Yeah. And he's like, "Well, I wasn't even I was going for right field." So it's just like with the expectation when you have a guy like Guy go down, right? right that that has to be some weight on your shoulders. And what he's able to do, yeah. Orndorff has been able Crazy. to do with that expectation and pressure is just incredible. This team is loaded. I know. And, and, and the arms that they throw out there, like it's, this is a really, really good team. And this is going to be a blast Tuesday night. Uh, you know, normally you get those ACC t- teams coming in, it's like Liberty's the little, you know, plucky underdog. Mm-hmm. Dra- well, uh, Liberty's ranked higher than North Carolina right, right now. Isn't that crazy? That yeah. So, so <laughs> that's, I mean, this is going to be a blast. Yeah. Crazy, crazy to sit back and think nationally as individuals. You had Malik Willis, who was going to be right. QB1. You have Darius McGee, who was like leading the nation in scoring. And now you have the home run leader. Like, that's nuts. It really is. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, this probably has never happened. I mean, this no. definitely has never happened I mean, with Liberty. The, it's- the elite level of athletes you have right now. And the scary thing is, as we all know in recruiting, those kind of lead to more of that. Bigger. Right? Right? You have that success with some guys that leads to more right. and, and higher levels of recruiting. And I think we're we're seeing that across yeah. all sports right now. So, 
Uh, yes. All right. Well, here's a nightmare situation up. for you, Matt. I'm oh, never boy. leaving. Oh, boy. <laughs> <I'm> just... <laughs> They've been trying to push me out forever, and uh, I'm never leaving. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the women. I mean, they had 14 or 15 games this weekend. Yeah, it felt like it, right? Yeah. Oh boy. Softball. I mean, they were. I Swept. Like yeah. Five and zero, oh, right? Yeah. Liberty softball invitational. They come out undefeated. They take down Rutgers. They run rolled them twice. They just poor Rutgers. They just fold it at that point. Um, let's see. Take down JMU. He also take down Notre Dame, who was top uh, was top twenty five at one point this season. That's a really solid program with a lot of seniors too. So to beat them six to three was a huge win. And coming into this weekend, I was like, all right, I want to see how this young group is able to respond. With some of these young bats like Alexa Soto, Rachel Roop, and all the freshmen in the lineup, how would they respond to a big name like Notre Dame? And also, you're playing some higher end competition. They did not shy away from it at all. Alexa Soto was just dynamite. Like she's hitting 440 right now, which is crazy. True freshman. Yeah, hitting wow. 440. Just because that was the big question mark yeah. coming into the season for uh, women or for softball because of the twins leaving. Like, where right. are they going to get their offense? Yeah. So that's. Huge. Again, going to the the thought process, when I was talking about women's basketball earlier, you have important pieces graduate and move on, and then the pressure is distributed throughout the rest of the lineup, and it really feels as if this team is saying, hey, we're each going to do our own part to fill that void, and they have done it. Like, Kara Canetto has come on lately. Caroline Hudson is a different player offensively from a year ago. She still has that strong arm, but she, she Emily, <laughs> roped a bomb Oh man, who is it against now? Uh Lehigh. Uh who I cares? Right? Anyways, <laughs> that thing was the hardest shot I've seen leave. Like it's really it scraped the moon and it <laughs> went over the the netting in left field. Like I really think it hit the road that circles around. Like it was yeah, I'm serious. All you I can say <laughs> Yeah, like all I I was literally speechless in that moment, and I just I think I stole a Matt Warner line. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I like it was that much of a tower. Yeah, she has so much power, and uh, yeah, the Lady Flames just continue to roll. Great to see them doing well. Big game coming up this week, Thursday versus Arkansas. They're top twenty-five, so we'll see if the bats can continue. Uh, and Carly Caney now has two no hitters. I on know this two no hitters. Yeah. It's just been like amazing what she's yeah. been able to do and, right. and and like seeing her growth on the mound. Yeah. A um, lot of a lot of people early on when they started off and against a lot of SEC teams were thinking like what's wrong with the softball team, but really they just needed a couple minutes to get their toes in the yeah. water, right? Mm-hmm. And figure out what was going on and they're starting to get back into form now and they they look again like a solid group and dare say it they might be better than last season wow. if you can continue the bats uh, going the way they are right now and getting some production from the freshmen, they're just as dangerous as a year ago. So Liberty Baseball, softball, sweeping competition all weekend. You have lacrosse uh, winning their third straight. Yep. Um, you have tennis, men's and women's winning this past week weekend. So it's just – and then you have a um, couple athletes going to the NCAA championships for diving and yeah. swimming. So. It's just a really, really good time to be a flame. So excited to see the the success that follows this weekend or this week as well. So thanks, Rhett. Matt already took off. He's just like, I'm, I, you know. Poor Matt has those meetings. Yeah. Someone has to be responsible around here. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll be right back here next week to break down more Liberty Athletics.